Welcome to the 2022 edition of the Radio Lumi Artist Spotlight series. These spotlights are meant to highlight Luminato artists and the work they've contributed. You'll hear them describe themselves and their art in their own voices. Coming up is Amelia. Amelia Ruthven Nelson, who uses she and her pronouns, is a Black writer and artist in Toronto. To pay the bills, she works as an animation coordinator. When she's not working or arting, Amelia lives with her dog Charlie and her betta fish Icarus. Together they enjoy trashy reality TV shows, reading, and eating ice cream. Her island in Animal Crossing has a 5-star rating. She is a contributing artist to Crip Collab Issue 4, a digital zine from Sticky Mangoes, now in its second edition with Luminato. You can follow this artist's work on Instagram at BlackGirlMagicTheGathering. That's BlackGirlMagicTheGathering, all one word. You can find the zine with accompanying image descriptions on the Luminato website. You can also find spotlights from other Crypt Collab contributors from this and last year on Radio Lumi through the Access Hub at luminatofestival.com slash access hub. These interviews were recorded before the first draft of the Crypt Collab issue had been revealed by Pri Rahal, the curator and creator of the zine. This episode contains themes of terminal illness and death, which may be triggering or upsetting for some listeners. Radio Lumi encourages you to prioritize your well-being. My name is Amelia Ruffin Nelson. I'm a multimedia artist. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a mid-sized Black woman with light brown skin. I'm wearing a medium brown wavy hair wig. I have brown eyes and I'm told I have a big smile. Today I'm wearing a polka dot yellow dress. When I say I'm a multimedia artist, I personally consider myself a writer first because that's where I started, but I've been exploring different mediums. So I'm working on a short film. My piece in Crip Collab includes an image that I digitally painted. Sometimes I work with flowers. Sometimes I work with other watercolors, paints, markers, podcasts, pretty much anything. The piece I made for this volume of Crypt Collab is called The Stars That Killed Me. It's a multimedia piece that has a picture of a close-up of my skin where my cancer has caused the skin to warp and change. It's completely changed the texture of my skin, but it's made it into kind of a cute star pattern. And then I've painted over that pattern in a sort of rainbow, super kid, 90s inspired colors. So like reds, greens, yellows, orange, blues that are all like neon. And then accompanied with that picture is prose. So writing where I process receiving the terminal diagnosis. And what that means is someone who is already chronically ill, because as someone who's been chronically ill my whole life, illness has a different meaning. I usually wear it with pride, but this terminal diagnosis, it takes the word illness and makes it sort of dirty. So it's me trying to process this. So the theme that I was given for Crip Collab was about the future. And since my diagnosis, which I received very recently, I received my diagnosis in early February of 2022. So I've been thinking about the future a lot and how I don't necessarily have a long future ahead of me. And so when I think about the future, like 
I don't necessarily know what that means, but I'm definitely fascinated with it. I should say that I have triple negative breast cancer, which is a very aggressive type of breast cancer. And so people with my prognosis are lucky if they get a year. And so very quickly, I have been thinking a lot about what this immediate future looks like for me, as well as mourning a more long-term future that I don't necessarily get. Honestly, it feels very empowering. It feels very good because part of what I'm thinking about with the future is my legacy and the fact that I won't be here. So I've been trying to think about different ways that I can still be here even when I'm not being given this opportunity to contribute to Crip Collab and have like some of my work in a more established scene. It makes me feel a little bit more grounded and like being able to share this experience with people I don't see a lot of this, I guess, representation, dying representation, especially from Black women. A lot of the resources I've been given do not center us. And so some of my experiences with cancer in the last few weeks have been like drastically different and surprised me. So being able to share, just like processing this makes me feel like I'm not only creating a legacy, but contributing to the future of other people as well. representation of Black women in cancer that I have a very clear understanding of like what I didn't have before now. Like when my hair fell out with chemo, the texture changed first. Like the chemicals affected me so much that like my hair kind of lost a lot of its bounce first. So I was mourning my hair before it even left. Stuff like that doesn't come through. I didn't wear wigs before now. I was interested in wigs, but I just didn't have experience with it. And it was down the road. Like I was using a lot of extensions and box braids at the time. And so when I was given all these resources for wigs, none of it really addressed the nuance that comes with wigs for Black women. Also, I felt like a lot of the resources I was getting weren't good enough, not to be like bougie, but like my people have done wigs. Like I knew that I could get better for my money it feels different when you have cancer because everything I did know about wigs came as like on top of your natural hair. And like, I was like, where do I clip it in? Like, what do I do if I don't have any hair? And also losing hair. It took me years of like working on my internalized racism to like really learn to love and care for my hair. I'm 31. So like, I feel like I just got to a place where I was really comfortable with like my wash day routine then to have it just like fall out, even though you know it's a chemo, it's hard not to like blame yourself. Like if I had taken care of it a little bit better when I was younger, maybe it would last an extra week, which is not true, but like your mind is feeding you all sorts of thoughts. With death representation or maybe death information, like I find myself researching black morticians in the area because I don't want anybody giving me peach lipstick, stuff like that is what I'm thinking about. And in my piece for Crip Club, I don't necessarily like talk about all those things so much as I just talk about like trying to accept that I'm dying and how to future plan for that. It feels like I'm building a legacy for myself. I consider myself an emerging artist 
Although how much emerging can you do when your timeline is shortened? I don't know. But um, I do consider myself an emerging artist. I'd only started getting like paid for my work in the last like year and a half, which is really exciting because I love paying the bills. I would love not having bills more, but you know. And so being recognized as an artist for this festival, I feel like when I was three, I really wanted to be an artist. And over time, in part because of like my disabilities, because of my capacity, and because like I was in a predominantly white area and didn't see a lot of representation for Black artists, all of these things made me really stop seeing myself as an artist very fast. Like by eight, I knew that I was not good at art, whatever good means. But at eight, I was, I was sure I was not good at art. In high school, I pursued theater. And by my early 20s, I knew I was not good at theater, which is not true. I was good, but it's very easy to talk yourself down. And so to be included in this festival, to have recognition, it helps me find closure. Like I'm really proud that I can look back at my life. And if I could go talk to three-year-old me, I could be like, you did it. You died an artist. And that means a lot to me. It's very empowering, but also just, I feel like, I feel like I did it. Having this terminal cancer diagnosis during the pandemic has been frustrating because I'm a social butterfly. And I talked about three-year-old me wanting to be an artist. Well, seven-year-old me, when Princess Diana died, thought that I would be able to shut down Young Street with my funeral. That's how I like saw that. And of course, now I don't think I could shut down Young Street. But just every step of the way of this, I feel a little bit frustrated because I feel like I can't get all the things I want. I mean, I think that would be normal for anybody with a terminal diagnosis, but I feel it so strongly in this pandemic because like when I think about things like a funeral, I'm like, will people even be able to go to mourn me as a community? I don't know. And then when you think about things like your last meals or your bucket list or what have you, it's all restricted by this pandemic, especially these days, the numbers being what they are and with the numbers being unknown uh, at the same time. I do feel like a particular kind of frustration, especially because with the pandemic being chronically ill, we've had to be extra careful. And I've had severe asthma my whole life. So I've been on the prednisone and some pretty strong drugs that qualify me for earlier doses. But it means that I've spent the last two years pretty locked up already. I don't know. I feel like serious FOMO. That's for sure. Especially with restaurants and stuff. Like I really want this one breakfast place, but it might not happen because I'm not going to restaurants right now. I know that my life is significantly shorter than others, but I can't like run out and do all the things I want to do because it's not safe. I have four doses of the vaccine, but we don't know if chemo just like wipes out any help that the vaccine may provide. So I'm essentially as at risk as someone who's completely unvaccinated, but then also with the extra complications. And I'd spend time being like, will I get to see the show? Like, will the new season come out before I die? Or do I just have to like, wait, who knows? And so I feel very frustrated that I can't even be here while I'm here. But stuff like the Illuminato Festival and like getting my name out there at least gets me outside, not literally, but it gets me out there in a way that gives me a sense of peace. Art 
is definitely something that's helping me cope with this experience of having cancer as a chronically ill person and terminal cancer at that. My piece for Crip Collab particularly gave me space to process things in a way that I didn't feel like I could have externally with people, like one-on-one conversations or just like out loud, I guess. What I'm trying to do is someone who's dying but doesn't know the exact date, I'm very day-by-daying it. I try to find one positive a day that helps me feel like I've won. And very often it's that I found time to try a new art. So a lot of other artist friends have been showing me their mediums like online. And it's just like a cute social way to try new things and feel like I'm not just wasting away in my apartment in Toronto. Again, that was Amelia Ruthven Nelson. And remember, you can find her work on Instagram at Black Girl Magic the Gathering. That's Black Girl Magic the Gathering, all one word. To find this spotlight and others, check out Radio Lumi. Or you can find the art and more on the artist in Crip Collab, both available through the Access Hub on the Luminato website. That's luminatofestival.com slash access dash hub. This spotlight was produced and edited by yours truly, Dev Ramsaywak, for Radio Lumi as part of Luminato 2022. Thanks for joining us.